If you're a guest here, it's great to have you with us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's all about Jesus, and we enjoy worshiping him together. It's also wonderful to hear all the stories about Alpha. Uh, today I feel more holy because I've got a new mic and I've got my bigger Bible. So, no. Um, today uh, we're going to continue our series called Hello Jesus. Hello, Jesus. And uh, for this week we've got a passage from the Gospel of John. Um, I, I would usually say that the words will be projected on the screen, but I'm really sorry. Uh, I did have them on a PowerPoint, but then I realized that I've brought the memory stick that's got all the family photos from visiting my family in Turkey, and not the PowerPoint. Um, that'd be very entertaining to put on, but I think uh, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Um, however, I will read them out to you. Um, it's from the Gospel of John. Uh, it's a big chunk of it, and I'll make no apology for that, because it's the Word of God, and it's great and, uh, to hear the Word of God. So it's the Gospel of John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Let's hear them. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness, bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, and yet you do not believe, how can you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your word. We're grateful that we have access to it. We're grateful that you've preserved your word, and we are able to read it and be nourished by it. Lord, we give you praise and honor for this word, and we pray that as today we hear your word, that it would speak to our hearts. I pray that as we unpack your word, Lord, that you lead us by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We know that you are here. We feel your presence, and we're so ever grateful for, what, for the gifts that you've given us. We pray that you continue ministering to us as we continue with our fellowship with one another. Be with us, speak to us. Spirit of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Right, great. So, another part of the gospel which is very, very um, familiar with quite a lot of us, but um, just as, again, because it involves Jesus, it's not quite straightforward. You know, with Jesus, things aren't always straightforward. He, they, they're talking about something, and then he suddenly talks about something else that doesn't make sense. Have you ever felt like that? Um, we're not going to um, unpack the whole passage that we just read today because um, you wouldn't be able to do justice to it. However, we're going to look at a big chunk of it. Can, just before we start, is there anyone here who's called Nicodemus? I thought so. Is there anyone who identifies with Nicodemus? Yeah, I heard a couple of shouts of yes. For the, for the rest of us who didn't shout yes, God knows where you are. Uh, he knows where you're sat. So, um, today we're going to look at the issues of um, head, heart, and soul. And I think it's quite right to look at that. Nicodemus, Jesus. They're having a big conversation. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, as we read in the Bible. We've just read in this uh, scripture that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. What does that mean? We normally use the word Pharisee for hypocrites. So, if somebody does something who normally says something else, would just say, oh, you're a Pharisee. So they normally have bad press about them. But let's start with really good stuff about them. So Pharisees were people who were really good at the Word of God in understanding it. They were really good in knowing the Word of God. Actually, they had to memorize the first five books of our Bible called the Torah. So they had to memorize it. The other good thing about them was that they had to fast twice a week. That's three times more than me. And that takes quite a lot. You see? So, but I think that's just about the only good things about them. <laughs> you might disagree that these are even good things. To memorize the Bible and know it is no good things. Um, it's actually living it. However, they were conservative, devout Jews. They knew every single law, and they were actually trying to unpack that for people. Pharisee uh, comes from the uh, root word of farash, means separated. Where else do we hear that in the Bible? The word holy, God, separated. So they were kind of really good people. Um, the other thing about Nicodemus was that, he, again, we read in this chapter that it says that he was the rural, ruler of the Jews, sorry, which meant that he was part of a group of people called the Sanhedrin. Um, there were around 70 men who were in charge of uh, everything to do with the Jewish society. They were in charge of the social and religious laws. So you can see that he was well-educated, and um, in terms of age, he must have been older than Jesus uh, by quite a lot of number of years, because it would have taken him a lot, uh, a lot of time, really, to get to where he was. So the Sanhedrin was also a place where they brought a blind man that Jesus had healed, and they were all together thinking, oh no, Jesus is not from God, and the, the, the signs that he does is from demon and everything else, and this blind, well, used to be blind guy, comes, his eyes have been opened, and he goes and gives testimony. So that was where the Sanhedrin were. Another Pharisee, a big Pharisee that we read about in the Gospels in the New Testament is um, Saul, which later is called Paul, the Apostle Paul. And... So we can see that there's quite a lot of these group of people around Jesus. They believed in righteousness by law, not by grace. So everything, everything that we said about God today, all of our worship songs, 
all the contributions here today would have been very offensive to them if one of them were here. So if you had a Pharisee amongst us, they'd be offended because they would think, come on, you think God would accept you just like this? God would accept you without ties and good coats? God would accept you without your robes? God would accept your worship with just coming in here and singing to him? Of course not. There's loads. A Pharisee would say, I pray long prayers. I've got nice clothes on when I go to prayer. I pray in places where people can see me so they can actually see what I do. I give 10% and sometimes even more if I have to. I'm a good person. It's all about what I do for God. I do this for God. I do that for God. And what do you do? It's all about me. Does anyone feel like that here today? Do you identify with Pharisees? It's not normally a good thing to identify with, but we've got to be honest because God knows where our hearts are. Do you feel, I am better than that person? I give a good portion of my finances. I do this, I do that. Or I'm better than, better than that person because, because of my nationality, because of my skin color, because of this and because of that. I am, it's all about me, what I do for God. If you feel like that, then you need Jesus. And you need to hear the rest of the story. Because Nicodemus was like that. It was generally about him. Whereas the gospel is very clear. It's about what God has done for us. It's not the issue of how much we know in our head. It's how much we love him in our hearts. And of course, head knowledge is great. And studying the Bible is a great thing that I would encourage you to do. But if you feel that your righteousness comes from there, you're wrong. You need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. If that resonates with you, then hang around because you need to hear the rest of it. Well, the other thing that the Pharisees would do is they're actually good at the law. Um, so what they would say is we read in the Ten Commandments you shall not work on Sabbath. Okay. What is work? Let's think about what is work. If you go and work today but get paid for it tomorrow, you actually haven't worked. So go and work. Do my house nice and clean, sort it out for me, and I'll pay you tomorrow, and you haven't done any work because you haven't broken the law. So it's all okay. We've kept the law. We've kept what God has told us, but at the same time, I've got my job sorted. I've got it sorted. My house is sorted. My wife is not going to nag at me because I didn't decorate that bit. So it's all sorted. Great. So they would twist and bend the rules and laws. We probably know quite a lot of people like that. So Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night. Uh, usually people say that's because he didn't want to be affiliated with Jesus. And I think that's quite true. But quite a lot of things happen in the evening. However, as we read in the rest of the Gospel of John, sometimes uh, night has bad connotations with it. So it talks about darkness and generally spiritual darkness. So I can imagine Mr. Nicodemus going out of the house, looking around, making sure that there's nobody that would see him because obviously he'd be well-known and people would say hi to him and sometimes bow down to him. He'd go and find Jesus' house, knock on the door. Mary opens the door. Oh, hello, Mrs. Joseph. Is Jesus in? Uh, no, Mr. Nick, he's not. Uh, has he moved out? Uh, yes, he has moved out. Oh, that means he's got married. No, he hasn't. Um, you know, it's a bit complicated. He doesn't get married. He, he won't do marriage. Um, but you won't understand it anyway. But he's moved out, yes. Um, so where is he? Uh, he's, got, he's with this group of people he calls disciples, which are great people. Uh, you wouldn't like them, though, because they're not like you. 
Um, but he just lives down the road, uh, up the village in Linthorpe. He's just somewhere down there. Um, so he finds the address, goes there, knocks on the door, hoping that nobody would have seen him. Then Jesus opens the door. Obviously, he goes in and starts talking. So the question is, he doesn't ask a question. He says, uh, hello, Mr. Jesus. I know you're a good teacher. You're a rabbi. And that's a great thing from a Pharisee to say that Jesus is a rabbi because that means he's a teacher, but he's had no PGCE or anything done or anything equivalent in that time. He hadn't been through trainings just like Pharisees. He hadn't done 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. in the schools trying to read and understand the Word of God. He hadn't done that, but Nicodemus says, I know, you're a rabbi. And you know why I know that? And of course, he wants to surprise Jesus. Yes, because, no, I saw you walking on water and you didn't have a ski jet. I saw you. You're different. And the other day, you know, when you were uh, feeding half the Riverside Stadium, you were feeding people there, uh, you didn't have much, but you fed them. So that means you're a bit different. You're a rabbi. You're a good man. Although you haven't been through the school, but only people who have the power from God can do this. And it's a great thing that he's realized that. What does Jesus do? Jesus comes up and makes the poor guy even more confused. He says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Poor Nick never asked Jesus about the kingdom of God. He never asked him a question about it. He never said anything. He never even said, will you tell me how I reach the kingdom of God? He just said, you're a rabbi. Come on, I've come to pay my respects to you. Uh, and then maybe you could tell me, oh yeah, you know I'm a teacher because you read your Bible. And you would give me some compliments as well, and then I'd go. I never asked you about these sort of things. He was even more confused than the other time he was trying to make sense of the book of Leviticus. And now Jesus is talking to him saying, you need to be born again. So obviously you can tell this older guy is there looking at Jesus saying, is he having a laugh? Or as in Teesside, he'd probably say, you're joking, aren't you? Uh, I'm old. Our mom's old. Maybe my dad's not around. How can I be born again? Come on, it's weird. Tell me something different. Uh, and anyway, I've been a good Pharisee, so I've got to have access to the kingdom of God. So by that, Jesus told him, look, whatever you've done in your life, put it to one side. You've got to be born again. By that, Jesus said, well, how, no matter however hard you've tried in your life, you can't get there. And you know what? I was at that point in my life as well. I was trying really, really, really hard. And I, just as I thought I've got it, I felt, no, I actually haven't because I can't kid myself. I can feel it in my heart. And then God came and told me what to do. Um, God very clearly told me I needed Jesus. And if that's you today, you need Jesus. There's only one answer. There's only one answer, and he is the answer. So if you feel like Nicodemus, if you feel that... Um, you're a righteous person because of what you have done for God, then you need Jesus because he will tell you that what he has done is enough for you today. What does being born again mean? I was watching a uh, video of a, a guy was giving testimony. He was Assyrian. So Assyrians are um, a community of Christians in the Middle East, probably one of the oldest Christian communities in the Middle East that are being persecuted at the moment. They're being wiped out. They're all over the world now. 
And this guy was giving testimony and he started by saying where he was born and into which family he was born. And what I loved about it was he said, I was born into an Assyrian family, which to the people in the Middle East is a Christian family, which does not guarantee anyone's salvation. So this guy said, my mom and dad were great Christians and I was born into that family. However, it doesn't mean that's when I became Christian because I was born into a Christian family, but the Bible says that doesn't guarantee that I will live with Jesus. So I had to make a decision at some point in my life for myself, which he did, and it was great that he was giving testimony. A few months ago, uh, I was invited to preach at Hall, uh, Steve Whittington's church, uh, Jubilee Church Hall, which was great. Um, and I thought, well, we're going there, and let's take some of our friends with us. So Yafford was one of them. We went down, uh, we were driving down, and uh, we were just asking each other about uh, testimonies and how we came to Christ. And Yafford said, uh, I'm a born-again Christian. And I loved it. Um, he said, I, only, I, I am a born-again Christian because two years ago I gave my life to Jesus. And Mavish looked at him and said, only two years ago? You look like a very mature Christian. Um, if you've given your life to Jesus about two years ago or so, you can be a mature Christian even in two years. So um, don't be offended by that. Which was a great compliment to Yafford. But I loved it. I love the fact that he said, I was born into a Christian family, but I had to make a decision for myself, and it was two years ago when I made that decision. So all his life he thought, yeah, I was born into a Christian family, I'm a Christian, but then two years ago he realized, no, actually, I need Jesus. I don't need my heritage. Of course, the family heritage is great, but I need Jesus and I need to respond to him. So he did it the right way, and he is a born-again Christian, just like many of us here today. Just being born into a family doesn't mean that you inherit everything from that family. You're born again by repenting from your sins and believing in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? I used to think that I believed in Jesus, but not the Jesus that the Bible talks about. Do you believe in the Jesus that the Bible talks about? I used to think I knew him, but I didn't until he revealed himself to me. Do you know and believe in this Jesus? If you don't, please don't leave today without getting to know him. I want to encourage you to get to know him and ask him to come into your life. Believe in him and you will inherit the kingdom of God. Just as Jody was saying this morning, you will become the son of God. You will inherit the kingdom of God. How can a man be born again when he's old? doesn't matter how old you are because when you become new you're new and things that are impossible to us are possible to God a new birth means a new heart a new birth means that you're totally new the Bible says behold the old has gone the new has come so if the new has come the old can't stay there so if you're a Christian and you're still holding to your old stuff let them go because you can only be one either old or new and choose to be new let go of what's not of God in your life. I remember when, when I was in Iran, um, one of the people, um, one of the Christians, uh, fell ill and he was at the hospital. Um, of course, we've all felt eager to go and pray for him, but we all knew what that meant, uh, all of us getting arrested. Um, so what we did was, we thought, okay, one person will go at the time to pray for our friend at the hospital, discreetly so nobody would see it, uh, and then the rest of us would pray for that person who is praying for our sick friend for protection. 
Um, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, you can just do that easily here, and you think, oh, it's the same everywhere in the world. So as we were praying for uh, our friend, for his protection, to go and pray for our sick friend at the hospital, he came back and said, I felt God told me something. I felt that God said, because the doctors were saying, we can't do anything, just give up hope. I felt that God said, if I renew his spirit, I can renew his body as well. I can do what I want. I can renew his kidney. I can renew his liver. I can renew anything I want. So why don't you ask me instead? Why don't you ask me for renewal? And I felt, isn't, it, isn't that great? God has made us to be born again. He's given us new spirits. Can't he renew our bodies as well? Of course, it's, for, it's his will and for his glory. But God does have the power to renew us. He does have the power to renew our minds. So let's go to him for that. When Jesus talks about um, being born again of water and spirit, um, there are quite a lot of disagreements about the bit about water. Some people say it's the water at the point of birth, uh, which I can't quite understand. Some people say it's the water baptism. Again, I'm not quite sure I, could, um, I agree with that, but I think it's from the bit in Ezekiel. Let's read that together. It's Ezekiel 36, uh, verses 25 to 27. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. Your spirit will come alive through the Spirit of God. And I think and I believe that is what Jesus meant by being born of water and spirit. Jesus said, the wind blows wherever it wants, and it, however it pleases. You do not know where it comes from. Jesus uses metaphors. And just to bring an example of a metaphor, um, is when I go to Tesco and this lady says, hello, sunshine. She doesn't necessarily mean I'm the sunshine. And of course, I know I am. But however, anyway, she just says, hello, sunshine. And immediately I know she's, become, she's being friendly, but she doesn't necessarily mean I'm the sunshine. Or when some, an older lady tells you, uh, all right, pet, um, not necessarily meaning I'm a pet, but... You know what that means. So the same with Jesus. He uses metaphors. He uses wind. Uh, and he says, it just blows. Jesus is talking about the origin and the end, the destination of this wind. And he says, you can't do anything about it. You've got no power over it. Even the actual wind, we've got no power over it. Because otherwise we could have stopped tornadoes and other things. Maybe we can direct it a bit, but we can't do much about it. Even 2,000 years later, Jesus says, this is how it's done. Sometimes there are things you don't know about the new birth, but it's done, just like quite a lot of other things in life. I wish they had um, cameras so they could take photos of before and after of Mr. Nick. Because at first he comes and sees Jesus, because he's mentioned about three times in the Gospel of John and nowhere else. So he comes and sees Jesus and says, you're a rabbi, then gets confused and then leaves Jesus and wishes he hadn't met him. Then later on, it's again at the council of the Jews where he reminds everybody else. He says, look, if we want to judge him, we've got to hear him first. Isn't that the law of God? 
We can't pass judgment before we hear him. So let's bring him in, bring him in and hear him. You can't just do that. And then the other time is where he's at the cross with the Simon of Arimathea. I wish they had easier names. Like I've got one. Uh, then that tells me something must have changed in the life of Nicodemus. Maybe it took from meeting Jesus at that evening, then thinking it through, going back to the, God, uh, to the Bible, to the Word of God, seeing him around, hearing him more, and then at the point of his death, coming to realize he is the one. He is the one that Ezekiel talks about. He's the one that Isaiah talks about. He is the one that I've been waiting for my whole life. You know, the good thing is, just like you know, in, in movies, sometimes at the point of death, it's too late. But with Jesus, the good thing is that it's actually the point of his death that brings us life. So if you think, oh, what a shame. I would have liked to hear more about this Jesus, but he died. You just said he died. So that means it's gone. I can't do anything more about it. No, with Jesus, it's the other way around. No, I thought just like Nicodemus, he confused him. With us, the point of death for Jesus is the time where I celebrate. And I really mean that. Because then three days later, the Bible says the same word, that he rose again. So it's never too late. If you feel like you're Nicodemus, uh, let's call him Nick because then that's uh, unisex and could be used for men and women. So if you're Nick today and you feel, yes, the words of Jesus are trying to make sense to me and I'd like to get to know him a bit more, but I don't know whether it's too late or not. It's never too late. It can become too late at the point of your departure from this earth, but don't allow it to get there. I was uh, listening to a preacher and um, an American preacher uh, managed to lead more people to Christ in funerals. And you would usually think it's because people in funerals are th think about death and they think about their future. But he said, no, it was because he was standing next to the um, family of the deceased and the, um, as people would come to pay respect, he would ask them, do you want to believe in Jesus? They, they would either say yes or no. Or do you know Jesus? They would either say yes or no. And if it was a yes, great, you'll get to see him when you die. If no, you won't get to see him. And then sometimes the answers were, I actually don't want to make a decision at this point. Okay, you won't get to see him. Because I don't want to make a decision is, I'm not sure about him. But I want you to be sure, not because you feel under pressure, because that doesn't mean anything if it's not from your heart, but because you believe that his words are true. Because you have felt his presence. And don't, don't miss this opportunity today. If you're not a born-again Christian, let today be your birthday. Let today be the day where you decide to give control to God. Let today be the day where you walk out a new person. So the Bible is very clear. You either believe in Jesus or you don't. And I want to encourage you, if you don't believe in Jesus today and you want to give your life to him, speak to the person that you came with. Or if you just made your own way here, speak to one of us today before you leave. For the rest of us, if you feel there's actually something in my heart that knows that I believe in Jesus, but I've never experienced the sort of new life, the sort of new beginning. I'm not sure 
if I'm a born-again Christian. I'm not sure if at one point I gave everything to him. You don't necessarily need to remember the date or the time, because I don't. I just know it was somewhere when I was 14 or 15. But if you know that at one point you have done that, then great. If you don't, we'd like to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you today. And we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to give you more Bible verses that maybe don't make sense right at the beginning when you read them. We're simply going to invite the Spirit of God to come upon you. And if that's you today, please come forward. For the rest of us, if you'd like to be prayed for for any other reason, maybe you can come to, uh, to my right. The ministry team, if you could all keep an eye out for people to come forward, that'd be great. Can we all stand up together? Let's worship this God. If you know him, if you believe in him, if you are born again, lift up your hands and worship him and give him thanks and praise because it's nothing that you have done. It's what he has done for us. And if you don't know him, let today be the day. Let's worship him with songs. And if you want to be prayed for, please come forward.